Welcome to the Living Godcast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. read you something the Lord's downloaded, and I was writing as fast as he was giving it to me. This is sort of our introduction. Sweet Holy Spirit, yes, that is who he is. He is seen in the smiles of those who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He is present in the center as they stand with a clench to their jaw and a white-knuckled grip fastened to the chair as they struggle to resist the call of repentance. He is in the preacher's anointed sermon, encouraging and uplifting the saints. He is heard in the praise and the worship and the shouts of amen and hallelujah as they echo around the church and drift out the doors into the street. He is in those quiet, precious moments, tears streaming down our faces as we stand, as we are in the presence of the Lord. He can be sensed as we stand in the awe and wonder, looking at his majesty and beauty that he has created. He is present in the birth of a newborn baby, a marvelous miracle of God's creation. He is there when death comes and our Savior is calling us home. And it is up to us who believe in our Savior, Jesus Christ, to recognize the Holy Spirit and to allow him to lead and guide us to experience those sweet, precious moments with our Lord. But, oh, there is so much more to this sweet Holy Spirit. He is also like the roaring waterfall that you saw in the background of that picture. Yes, God wants us to experience the sweet Holy Spirit, not only in the feel-good moments that bring us closer to Him, but He wants us to experience those powerful, anointed, mighty, overflowing like a roaring waterfall, rushing over us, rushing into us, that life-changing experience of the Holy Ghost that the, in, the, in the Old Testament it's called the Holy, uh, the Holy Spirit. And it changes us. It changes us to go and do what He's calling us to do. We no longer stand in our timidity and our fear, but we go. Our study for February, February will cover the Holy Spirit, what he does, how he assists us to walk in the Holy Spirit, and we will learn how the book of Acts is still being written today. And we as believers in Jesus Christ are the participants. God is the mighty pen. He's writing and recording your story. So what are you doing for him? Are we walking and believing like the Acts Church? I believe we're about to walk into it. So y'all fasten your seatbelts because I know what he's doing in my life. And I know what he's about to do in your life. And we're about to go into that future. We are commissioned to be full of the Holy Spirit, equipped, empowered, and anointed, ready to go into the world as they did in the book of Acts, leading and guiding others to know and serve and love Jesus. Our key scripture comes from Acts 1-8. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria 
and unto the uttermost part of the earth. We're going to begin our journey today in the book of Acts. I'm sorry, in the book of Genesis. When I was, uh, Lord was downloading stuff to me to teach, I saw, I saw the, the introduction I just read to you go across in the vision. I saw the musical notes of the sweet Holy Spirit. I didn't know at the time because I can't read notes, but I didn't know at the time. But I, when he downloaded that song to me, I thought, Lord, that's what you showed me. And then I saw a resume, Holy Spirit resume. So we're going to learn who he is, what he has done, and what he's going to do for us. Okay, that's what we're going to do. So let's begin at the very beginning. Genesis 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. So Genesis, we, we all know it means the beginning. It's the point of origin. In these first three verses, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In the beginning, God, right there, the word God means Elohim. This name refers to God's incredible power and might. God is the creator of heaven and earth. He's the Alpha and Omega. There's never a moment that God did not exist. Moses affirmed this. I didn't give you this scripture, Steve, I don't believe. Psalms 92. Before the mountains were born or you, or you brought forth the earth, the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He's always been. He has always been. All right, that next, ver that next part, it says the Spirit of God. Spirit there is Ruach. Ru Let me see if I can say this right. Ruach. It, the Hebrew meaning is the wind and breath of God. The Holy Spirit is part of the eternal triune of God. His full power was not revealed until, the book of, until Jesus came. In the book of Acts, that's when the full power came. In the Old Testament, the Spirit was called the Holy Spirit. And it referenced to the breath of God or a wind of God. Or it was the temporary indwelling of the Holy Spirit for a call or purpose from God. In Genesis 1-2, it says, the Spirit of God moved. It means the Spirit of God was hovering over those waters. You know why it was hovering? It was waiting for the Word of God to come. And when the Word of God came, that Holy Spirit went into action. And the world was created. So the Holy Spirit was hovering over those waters, preparing for the creative word of God to shape the world. And when God said, God spoke the word, let there be light, and there was light. The Son of God, Jesus, was the word that went forth. In John verses 1, uh, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. 
all things were made by him, and without him there was not anything that was made. So John gives testimony in the New Testament that the word is Jesus, and he was there in the beginning with God when God created all of heaven and all of earth. We have now established who the Holy Spirit is. He's the wind and breath of God. He was present at the beginning. Both the Word of God and the Spirit of God were there. Okay? Genesis 1, 26 through 28 says, now we're going to talk about the creation a little bit. And God, which is Elohim, said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion. So what does dominion ring mean? It means reign and rule. So God, when he created Adam and Eve, he gave them rule, immediately gave them rule. Over all the fish of the sea, over all the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Subdue it means have authority. So God created them to have a loving relationship with, them, with him. But in creating them, he gave them all power and authority over everything he had created. And I, I got to thinking about that. You know, why in the world did they give in to Satan when they had everything they needed? But isn't that like us? We do the same thing. We have things going good, and all of a sudden something comes along to tempt us, and what do we do? We give in. And that's, that's our flesh. All right, let's keep going. So... In creating Adam and Eve, they were created in the image of God as a trying being. They were given a body, a soul, and a spirit. And we were created. And what does God have? He's the, we've got the trying Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's how we're in the image of God. And I've never realized that until I started studying this. So it says that God breathed into the nostrils the breath of life into Adam. And the Spirit of God brought life to the first Adam. As a trying being, man was given a body, so and spirit. So as a human, Adam could not connect to God through his body. But only through his spirit. This is why today, no matter what we do, how much we say, how much we try to live for God, it's not by our actions. It's by our spirit connecting to the spirit of God. And that's how we walk in his holiness and his purity. So when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, his spirit, the spirit of his Father, comes in and resides in us. Think about it. Our Heavenly Father, His Spirit resides in us. So why do we walk in doubt? Why do we walk in fear? He has given us all authority, just like He did Adam and Eve, and all power to go out and subdue 
the things on this earth in the name of Jesus. We were given that same power and authority when Jesus came in. John 4.24 says, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So the spirit of God lives in me. I have to worship him through that spirit. And what is truth? That truth is Jesus and the word of God. And I take that truth and the word of God and I get it into this mind. I get it into this heart. And by the Holy Spirit's guidance, I live in this world filled with sin. And when the devil comes against me and tells me I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring COVID upon you, I say, in Jesus' name, I declare, no, you have no authority. You have no right. We have all power and authority in heaven and earth to proclaim until sickness, until, and, until diseases, until poverty, until depression, where it has to go and how it has to leave. And I keep on reminding that to myself when things come against me. And we need to remember, but it's through the word, speaking that word. So God is spirit. In this, in John 4 to 24, it begins as God is spirit. Their spirit is pneuma, which means the spirit of the Lord, life-giving spirit. So when God breathed that first breath into Adam, the spirit of his creator filled his lungs. And his very first gasp of air have you ever drank something or, or held your breath too long? And what's the first thing you do? <gasps> That's what Adam did. And that first gasp when he exhaled, the breath of the life of, his, of God came out. So it says, his spirit was connected to the spirit and life of God. And then what did God do? He created Eve. Eve was taken from the rib of Adam's side, and then God breathed life into her. So the spirit of God's glory clothed and filled them, covering their nakedness. The glory of God was not only in them, but it was so bright and so pure, it radiated from them. And I was thinking about this and I, I remembered Moses when he went up on the mountain. Y'all remember that story and how he was there 40 days. And when he came down the mountain, what did it say? His face, his face was so radiant. The glory of God shone so bright he had to cover it because the people were afraid. Adam and Eve were the very first man and woman of God. There was no sin. Spirit of God lived in them. Their bodies radiated the glory of God. That's why they didn't need clothes, because there was no nakedness. The glory of God was their covering. So they walked in that glory in the Garden of Eden, and his glory was there filling them. So the first of all creation, there was no sin. And his light, his glory, was shining and covering their bodies. And they knew no sin, and they were not ashamed. God gave them dominion over every single thing he created. And he told them to subdue it. Adam and Eve were given all power and authority on heaven and earth to live and exist in excellence filled with joy, filled with happiness, and everything they needed was supplied. 
they walked in the presence of God. And it says in the Bible that God walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Can you imagine the conversation? Adam saying, God, did you see what that hippopotamus did today? And can you, I mean, they just talked about what was happening in their surroundings. And God saying, Adam, why'd you call the, what, you know, hippopotamus, why'd you call him that? I mean, how, how beautiful a conversation to have with God, discussing everything that they see around them and all the beauty. And it says that, I'm sure they laughed and they, at the, you know, at the antics of the animals and everything that they saw. But then what came? The temptation. And that's what brought the destruction of God's perfect communion with God. So Satan enters in the form of a serpent. He beguiles Eve, causing her to doubt and question the authority and spirit of God within her. Not only did she partake of that that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but she gave to Adam, and he took of it. The Spirit of God is no longer able to abide within them because of the sin in their life. They suddenly find themselves stripped of the glory and Spirit of God, standing naked in their shame of their flesh. They're confused they don't know what's going on. They begin pointing fingers at one another. It's your fault. No, it's your fault. The Spirit is no longer able to connect. The Spirit of God is no longer able to live within them because of the sin. So what happens when that Spirit of God is removed from them? All of a sudden, they're standing there naked before God. And they're so ashamed, and they're trying to cover themselves. And they don't understand what's going on. All of a sudden, they're scared. What's happening to us, God? We no longer feel you. We can't connect to you. Where did you go? But God didn't leave them. They disobeyed him, and that that spirit, his spirit was taken from them. So thus begins the journey of man, God's creation, as they begin walking back to their creator. But God in his ultimate love has a plan. And one day he will bring redemption to his creation through Jesus Christ, his son, and send his Holy Spirit to guide the way. Without the spirit of the Lord to guide them, Adam and Eve and their descendants walked in faith. Serving the one true God, trying to walk by their flesh. And as they slowly began walking, all of a sudden rebellion and unbelief and chaos and destruction came upon the earth. And Satan started bringing more confusion, more chaos, more destruction, more wickedness. Because see, Satan wanted to get that heart that originally loved God to be confused and to turn from God. He wanted them to get to a place where that heart would never, ever connect back to God again. And that's why the wickedness began in the world. So in the midst of all this wickedness, we hear the story of Enoch. And I just love the story of Enoch. He was so pure and so honest 
And he loved God so much that he walked with God. Genesis 5.24 says, And Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. While Enoch's faith pleased God, there is something more important to the story that we need to understand. It was not only Enoch's faith where God took him to heaven. It is because Enoch had a relationship with his God. He walked with God 365 years. So if he can walk 365 years with his God, why can't we walk 365 days in a year? You know, so Enoch had a relationship with God. So I can just hear God saying, Enoch, this pleases me. I enjoy walking with you every day. What do you say, let's do this in eternity? I'm taking you home to be with me today. And Enoch just goes. Death does not come to escort Enoch home. His God takes him right to heaven. And he sees no death. So Enoch, even though he was not saved, his walk with God was so pure and honest, he had no sin. So God just took him home. Enoch is the great-grandfather of Noah. And I think that's so amazing. So there was something in Enoch that was passed down through the generations that came to Noah. Noah was not perfect. We know the story. He sinned. But God saw something in Noah he could use. I I looked up to get a a date. And what I came across, it said it had been 1,656 years since God created Adam to when Noah came. So Genesis 6, 3 says, And the Lord said, My spirit was just Ruach, shall not always strive with man, for that he is also is flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. When I read that, I didn't understand the 120 years. But from the time that God said this, it was 120 years and when the flood happened. So that's what that's about. So God saw the wickedness of man and that every imagination and thought of their heart was evil. And he was grieved and repented that he had made them. So he's about to send destruction upon the earth, face of the earth in the form of a flood. And he looks down from heaven and he sees Noah, the great grandson of Enoch. And he says, I'm going to use him. Now, Noah was a farmer. I don't know if he had the skills to make that ark. But, you know, the Holy Spirit gives gifts. And he gives uh, qualities to people to do what God calls them to do. So I believe the Holy Spirit came upon Noah when God gave all those instructions about how high, how big, what to do, how to build that ark. And that started downloading into Noah's brain. The Holy Spirit had to come in to give him all of that, to retain all of that memory and to be able to go out and pick the right wood and the right things to make that ark. And can you imagine the people? They thought he was crazy, but he kept on going. He was walking by faith, believing and trusting that what God had told him was going to come to pass. And no matter what they said... His family had to, I mean, his uncles and even, you know, his grandfather could have been alive. We don't know. 
But God gave him something, planted that into his heart, and he believed, and he walked by faith creating. And then what happened after when he got it done? Two by two, the animals came. Who brought those animals? The Holy Spirit had to go out. And in those minds, even though animals, it's, we don't believe they have a soul, but they, God got them. And he sent his Holy Spirit to get them two by two to lead them to that ark. So when Noah finished that ark and they all got in, there was just Noah and his family. They were the only ones left in that generation that God saw righteousness in. I don't know about you, but I want him to look down upon me and upon our church and see that church is one I can use. I see righteousness in their hearts, and I'm going to use them. But when Noah walked into that boat and God closed those doors, it says, remember when we talked about in the it said, uh, in the creation, God said, let there be light, and the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. I believe when the, when the water flooding, the flooding came and that ark was floating on the water, the Holy Spirit was hovering over those waters watching Noah and his family and all those animals, and he was protecting them. He was watching over them. He was giving them peace and calm and assurance that everything's going to be all right. You might be in that ark in the darkness, and you look out, and you don't know what's going on, but God is still with you, and God is going to go with you every step of the way. So whenever we face difficult situations, we know that we can call out to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I don't know what is happening right now, and I'm not going to get through this. I need you to help me. But when we call out to him, his peace comes in. His Holy Spirit comes in to bring that, that joy and that peace in the middle of our trying time. So in Second Peter 2.5, it says, And spared not the old world, but God saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, he bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So God brought that flood, and he destroyed everything he had made because it became so wicked. And he started over. But he did not start over with the brand new creation. He took Noah and his family, and he said, I'm going to use them. So the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was selective and temporary. The Holy Spirit would come upon individuals and circumstances, even animals, for specific tasks and assignments. God chose even to use unholy people to speak in the midst of unusual circumstances to bring about his will. Once the Holy Spirit came in the midst of a circumstances that required wisdom or the revelation from God, then the Holy Spirit was removed. I was studying about Abraham. Although there's no proof, I could find no proof that the Holy Spirit was, um, there was a scripture that, you know, authorized the Holy Spirit was with them. I thought about Abraham. Holy Spirit had to be with that man. You know, here he went to his father and said, I'm leaving. God has called me to go. 
and I'm leaving you. His father served pagan gods. But Abraham, God saw in him righteousness. So he called Abraham. Abraham left his father. He left the land that he knew. And he, start, he took his family and all of his possessions. And he started walking towards a promise. He could not see it. He could not see what God had in the future. But he kept on walking. He kept on walking. When God told him that he was going to be the father of many nations and his wife could not have a child, he kept on walking. Sure, he made mistakes by taking his, his wife's uh, handmaiden and, and uh, fathered a child through him. But God told him, Abraham, you messed up. That wasn't my will. So what did he do? He kept on walking. He kept on walking and believing and now we are all sons of Abraham. Y'all know that song, Father Abraham met many sons. We are all sons and daughters of Abraham because of his faith. And the Holy Spirit had to be with him. And when he laid Isaac on that altar and was about to, to uh, sacrifice Isaac, the Holy Spirit had to give him that faith to believe God will provide another way. So no matter what you're going through, keep walking by faith. God will provide another way. Because my God never forsakes me. He's never forsaken any of these people in the Old Testament. I keep on, I need to hurry up. <laughs> How about Joseph. Joseph was a bold and confident, loud-mouthed little brother. And his mouth got him in trouble. So what did he do? He went to his brothers. You're going to bow down to me, and, and I'm going to be, you know, certain leadership over you. And we all know the story. But Joseph, even in the midst of his speaking when he shouldn't have been speaking, and remember the story where his brothers sold him to the band of merchants that came by. And then uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, how about the coat of many colors? That brought jealousy to his brothers, too. Here you are, one of 12 brothers, and your father gives you a coat, of, a beautiful coat, and he doesn't give you one. No wonder his brothers hated him. And then when he went out into the fields that day with his brothers and they sowed him to those merchants, the Holy Spirit, it wasn't God's will for all that to happen. But God used a difficult situation to bring about his glory and his, his wisdom. So God took that. Here Joseph was on the back of that wagon, shaking and shivering in fear in unbelief of what his brothers just did. The next thing he knows is he's in a slave in Potiphar's home under the rule of King Pharaoh. So why did God put him there? What does Joseph do? He rises up in leadership, and he prepares to save a nation, that country there, in a seven-year famine. That had to be the Holy Spirit to download all that into him. King Pharaoh was no dummy. He, God gave Joseph that wisdom to walk in that knowledge through the Holy Spirit. The, we can keep on going. How about, uh, and, and also Pharaoh confirmed this in Genesis 41, 38. He says, 
Can we find such one as this in whom the Spirit of God resides? So King Pharaoh knew there was something about Joseph different than everybody else. How about Moses? Moses, a man of God. Well, when he originally started out, Moses had such low self-esteem. Here he was, born in, in uh, when, a time when they were killing the babies, and he was placed in that basket. So he was raised in a home that was not his. He was raised in a culture that served pagan gods, and he was constantly in conflict with everything around him constantly in conflict. And then when God came to him in the burning bush, he doubted that he was, he was qualified. How often do we doubt that we're qualified? When God tells us to do something, if you had told me even three years ago that I would be standing right here, I would not believe it. We are more than conquerors through God, Christ that gives us strength. So Moses what he eventually do? Eventually, he got to the point where he believed what God was telling him. Moses, who went up on the mountain and saw God face to face. He saw God face to face. So he believed God. But the Holy Spirit had to give Moses wisdom and knowledge to lead the Israelites. And it says that even... I'm going to skip over reading a bunch of these. I'll just paraphrase it. In Numbers and Exodus, it talks about God taking the Spirit. What is that Spirit? The Holy Spirit. He took that Holy Spirit from Moses. He placed it upon 70 men of the elders of Israel. He said, Moses, I'm going to take some of your Spirit and give it to these 70 men so they can become leaders and help you rule the Israelites. And then it says... That when he started giving them all the rules and everything on how to build the temple and how to build everything they needed to, to worship him, he says, Moses, I'm going to give the spirit, your spirit, the spirit of God, and to, uh, there was, I don't know if I can read all these men, there's Bezali, uh, Aholiab, there was a bunch of men that God Saul, that he wanted them to help Moses. They didn't have the skills and the qualities to do what they needed to do. God gave them this, the skills through the Holy Spirit to work in gold and silver and in brass, cutting stones, carving timber. And he gave them all of that wisdom through the Holy Spirit. So, he says, I have put my wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. So the Spirit came upon such people as Joshua. What does it say? That God tells Moses, lay your hands on Joshua. Because my Spirit is in him. And he is going to become the leader to replace you. So Josh, Joshua was given that Spirit. What about David? Oh my, the stories that we've heard on David. He went from a shepherd sitting on a mountaintop down into the valley as a lad to fight a giant. He ran through the mountains running from a psycho king. And then he went through military battles, power struggles. But God gave David wisdom 
to not only walk through all that, but he anointed his pen where he wrote beautiful poems in the book of Psalms that we have read. He gave them wisdom beyond compare. David was not perfect. We know that. We've heard the stories. He sinned so many times. But what was wonderful about David is he had a relationship with God. He says, God, I know I have sinned with Bathsheba, and I am so sorry. Forgive me. So when David sinned, not only did he seek forgiveness, but then he said, Lord, I accept your punishment. So David walked in the spirit of God anointing him. What about Samuel the prophet? We could just go on and on and on. There were prophets. There were uh, judges. There were men and women that nobody else would even notice during that day that God moved upon them. There were even wicked people. What about Balaam the prophet? He was supposed to be a prophet of God, but he was a, a wicked prophet. He prophesied in order to obtain money and fame. I read over the story of Balaam as I was thinking about this. Balaam, he sought God, but he not only, he tried to not only seek God, but he, he did what, you know, God give me your wisdom, but he also had this hand. I need the money from the king. So what did Balaam, it said that King ba Balak sent for Balaam, and he wanted him to prophesy and curse Israel because Israel was about to go into Canaan, and King Balak wanted to bring, uh, didn't want uh, the Israelites to come, and he was wanting Balaam to curse them. So Balaam went to the King Balak, and King Balak told him, you know, I want you to prophesy. So he said, I've got to go to God and pray about this. So Balaam went to God, and he said, can I prophesy and curse Israelites? Well, you know, in the Bible, God did curse at times the Israelite people when they did wrong. So here Balaam was asking God, can I curse them? And what does God say? He says, you must not curse them because they are blessed. King Balak, in the meantime, offers Balaam more money if you will curse them. So Balaam goes to God, and God says, you, only, you can go, but only do what I tell you to do. So we know this story, and I love this story. Balaam gets on his donkey, and he's going towards to, you know, curse the Israelites, I mean, to uh, towards the Israelites to bring what God tells him to do. But remember, God says, you only do what I tell you to do. And I got to thinking about this. Balaam had to have been thinking stuff that God did not agree with. So Balaam was there on his donkey getting ready to go. Well, maybe I know God told me I can only do what he tells me to do. But maybe I can say something or do something that will sound like a curse or that will bring sort of a curse or that I can say just a little white lie and I can get that money. God knew what Balaam's heart was. So what happened? God sent an angel that stood in that road and that angel had a huge sword and he was ready. Yes, it was a flaming sword. He was ready to kill Balaam. Because Balaam's heart was not right with God. So here we have Balaam riding on that donkey, and he's, he's trying to think of everything he can do to get that money. 
And all of a sudden, that donkey starts swerving and starts moving in the wrong directions. And Balaam suddenly stops, and he beats that donkey three times. And what do we know? The donkey started talking. Who caused that donkey to talk? The Holy Spirit. And that donkey said, "Why are you, I'm going to paraphrase here. Why are you doing this to me? Haven't I served you all this time? And all of a sudden, Balaam sees that angel of the Lord standing there. And he knows that that donkey saved him. And then all of a sudden, he knows, I've got to do what God says. But we know further on, Balaam ends up still wicked. His heart never changed for God. Let's see if, let me see if I have about just two more minutes. <laughs> There's so many stories. I'll just paraphrase some of these. Uh, what about Samson? Beautiful story. Wonderful story about a man that was given mighty strength. And he destroyed and killed so many enemies of God. And God, the Holy Spirit, gave that man strength. It was not keeping his hair long. It was because the power of God was on that man through the Holy Spirit. That long hair was just a symbol of his religious affiliation that he, he was associated with. How about Isaiah? I love the book of Isaiah. It says, uh, I'm going to give you ver uh, Isaiah 59, 21. The Spirit of the Lord was on Isaiah. And it's, this scripture says, as for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth forever. How about Ezekiel? How about Elisha? Elijah? How about Esther? How about Deborah the prophet? That when Jesus came as a baby, she took that baby and she recognized him that he was the Son of God, he was the Messiah. We could just go on and on and on that the Spirit of God came upon somebody for a certain time, for a certain season. So the Spirit came upon the Old Testament individuals for a specific task. It did, it, sometimes they were wicked and sometimes they were not. Once the task was completed, the Holy Spirit left. Next week, we're going to start talking about the New Testament. And in the New Testament, we're going to start talking about the Messiah who was born as a baby that brought in the Holy Spirit, walked by the Holy Spirit of his Father, and how he lived, and how he cast out demons, how he preached the Word of God. And that's what we are supposed to do. We're going to, I think, three more weeks we have. So I haven't written the next lessons, but God is already downloading them into me. But God has a call on each one in this house. And he is about to send a great revival. And I've told y'all before, I have seen it. I have seen the people running down these aisles. But I don't know about you, but I want to be one that will jump up and run down to this aisle to help lead somebody to the Lord. That is our mission. 
That is our calling. And God has given us the Holy Spirit so that we can go and take all of power and authority and subdue the wickedness in this world and cast it under our feet. And how do we do that? We take this Word of God and we quote it and we pray it and we live it. We eat it. We sleep upon it. We meditate upon it. But God is calling us. It's time for us to quit, like Pastor Mike said this morning, quit sitting upon our calling. It's time for us to step into it by faith. Just like each one of these men and women in the Old Testament, they did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They walked it out by faith. And we have Jesus in us so we can go and do what God has commissioned us to do. Close with this scripture, John 14, 17. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he lives within you, and he shall be in you. Let's close. Father, we just thank you for your love and your mercy to us. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, your sweet Holy Spirit, Lord. And Father, may we not be guided just by sweet emotions, but may we stand upon that authority and that power and that anointing and that calling that you have given to each one of us and step into the future. Now, Father, just go with us throughout this day, be in the service that is to come. And Father, I just pray a special blessing upon each one of these people that you've loved so much. They are so precious to you. And you see their heart, Lord. And you know what calling and purpose they have for you. And I just pray that the Holy Spirit will begin to quicken into their lives, to give them a knowledge of what you are calling them to do. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today to The Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you are blessed by today's word. If you would like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.